0: Greetings, everybody welcome back to another episode of the decision hour i am adam bird your host and we're going on with this series of let's have a conversation and i'm excited about the topic that we're going to discuss today and i say we because we're bringing back my partner in crime john uh who is in a foreign land uh in never never land right now uh up late so we can re, re we could record this. So John, how are you, my friend? I am doing
1: excellent as always. Uh, just looking forward to diving in again today. Hey, we got a big
0: topic this week, and this is one that that I think is really kind of pulled on both of us, as we've talked offline for several weeks about this particular topic and how we were going to approach it. So, why don't you uh, why don't you share with everybody what the topic of discussion is going to be in this episode?
1: Yeah. So the topic is religion and politics, Ooh. and uh, it's we're we're coming from the idea that. Well, we're asking the question and having a conversation about why is it that we have decided that in polite society amongst polite people that we uh, are not going to, uh, that it's impolite to discuss religion and politics when that's exactly what we should be talking about because it's so important.
0: Well, so let me, I'm going to jump right into the conspiracy side of this, John, because I'm, I'm, I'm an a-hole and that's what I do. Uh, I think it's because it, it, there's a control factor. I think some of that there is is a control factor there. We for the longest time we didn't want to talk about religion because we didn't want to offend those that were not uh, Judeo Christian or or Jews or, or what those that believe in Jesus Christ, right? So we didn't want to. We thought it was rude to talk about it. I, I so it's it's offensive to talk about Jesus Christ then i could say it's offensive not to talk about it so who's right who's wrong you you be the judge politics politics it's rude to talk about politics listen in the world that we live today with all these shit bags that are in dc sorry i said it we're not even two and a half minutes into this and i'm already getting up on my soapbox because i this, this is a topic that really pisses me off politicians Robin Williams once said, politicians should wear a NASCAR suit when you're running for office. I thought that was the most ingenious thing, genius thing that anybody's said, because then you get a full understanding of why somebody is saying what they are saying. If you think for one second that the people in Washington, D.C. that are controlling this country... If you think that they are going, oh, the the government would never do that to its people, then you are ignorant. Period. Yeah, delusional, maybe. Well, it, uh, that's even a better. Let's, let's do you. Let's use that one. Yeah. So, th- yeah. Uh, the this is the this. I get so passionate. About It's not that I'm frustrated. I'm passionate about these topics because it's stuff that we need to have a conversation with. I had a, a, a conversation this morning with with our sister company, H, uh, HMG Beverage, with one of our uh, our roaster, Great guy, Army veteran officer, just retired uh, as, as an officer. And uh, him and I don't see eye to eye when it comes to politics stuff. But him and I will have literally—we'll be on the phone for hours— talking about stuff and we don't raise our voice. We listen to each other and at the end of the conversation, hey man, when are we going to do lunch again? Like here you got two guys that don't agree on the same political thing having a simple conversation, which is what John and I have been trying to talk to persuade you guys to, hey, it's okay. Not to agree with everybody. We don't live in a world full of you know, rainbows and unicorns and, and, and that crap. And that's that's fine. But you can respect each—you can disagree with somebody on their opinion, not fact. Let, let me be clear on that. It, just because it's somebody says it's fact doesn't necessarily mean it's fact. It's, it's their opinion. You can disagree with their opinion and still be friends and still respect each other and, and not— Belittle each other. It, it happens, folks. I, I promise it does.
1: It's out there. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like as dry land exists. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're right, and uh, I think we've we've because we're not having political and religious and uncomfortable conversations in the household and in our communities um on a regular basis, I think that I, I think that that is part of one of the many problems that we have in our country, which is most evident in the university system where we've lost the skills to have a constructive to you know a constructive debate we We've lost the ability in our larger society as a result uh, to have these debates. They're just conversations. People become narrow-minded. They become ignorant. And, you know, we wonder how our educational institutions have produced a generation of graduates who despise America. And this is how, you know, we've eliminated uncomfortable uh, discussions and critical thinking, you know, the, the elimination of, of uncomfortable discussions of family discussions of community discussions about politics about religion it's very well correlated to me with the disappearance of compromise in politics in politics and the rise of the radical left um because you've created a a generation of people who believe they had to, the right to be protected from other points of views you know and and and, and if anything challenges their point of view, and this is particularly a college campus thing, uh, contrary points of view are to be shut down and shouted down and and censored and, uh, you know, shamed and disgraced, if possible, by la- labeling those people or those ideas as racist, homophobic, pho- uh, homophobic or some other hijacked, now meaningless, of course, uh, term.
0: Yeah, anything that goes against the narrative that, that's trying to be pushed will be right and will so be shut what, off completely
1: right so what we're saying is we should absolutely be talking about these things right. in a civilized right.
0: manner and, and there's no reason not to have these conversations the and here's the other thing and this goes with the critical thinking i'm glad you brought that up you get you when you hear things that you shouldn't be talking about those conversations if the government or the media, mainstream media, comes at you and says you shouldn't be having these conversations. Those are the exact conversations that you should be having. And if you're not awake right now, folks, whether you know whether you're listening to this podcast, um, you know, in the middle of the night or on, in the car on the way to work or, or wherever it is that you're going to, if you're not seeing what's going on, well, I don't watch the news. Well, first off, congratulations uh, on that because it's a waste of your time but if you're not picking up what's going on in the world today mainly here in the United States if you can't pick up what the mainstream media is putting down then then you're going to continue to live under the rock in which you are currently under you, you yeah, have okay. to you have to break out and you have to think critically and go to your neighbor have these conversations? hey listen why is it so bad to talk about politics let me hear jo- john i want to hear your stance on on this matter as far as it is from a political standpoint and and you may say adam these are the facts and blah 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 well okay first off let's be clear on one thing it's not necessary they might be the facts that you believe but that doesn't necessarily make them the facts one i can totally respect that but if you look at why people get into arguments so much about religion and about politics it's because they they focus on uh, they focus on the information that's being put out that 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 ties to their belief and they're are closed-minded as a society not to listen to the other side so adam has a a certain belief and thinks these are the facts John is going to talk about that same topic, has his own belief to that topic, and has his own facts, who's right and who's wrong. Well, we're both right, but we're both wrong at the same time. Because it, th- it, we may think it's the facts because we believe because it fits our narrative and our belief system, but that doesn't mean that mine are the facts or John's are the facts. or or, And it doesn't mean that neither one of us are wrong for that matter. But it sits us down to have these conversations and allows us to dig deeper
1: to find out what the real facts are. Well, and on that sort of on that note, or to branch off from that line of questioning, I would, I would want to bring something else up, yeah, which is that part of the problem with having these conversations and part of the reason that we get so entrenched into uh, a particular point of view is often that we're actually ignorant of why we hold that be- that belief. And we talked a few episodes ago about how important it was to try to understand really why it is that as an individual, you hold whatever beliefs you hold, try to understand them. You know, that's important. And, and so a lot of people feel very attacked because it's very difficult for them to de- defend uh, their belief system. And that doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means they're not equipped to to defend it when challenged. And I want to add one more part onto that, which is a contributing factor, which is in my mind, anyway, that the TV age, Hmm. the CNN age, uh, it's high volume, low information. It's like, it's like eating a box of Cheez-Its or a bag of potato chips for a meal, a lot of volume and a lot of calories, but not a lot of nutrition. Right. And Everything uh, takes place in these thirty-second, one-minute uh, sound bites. I hate using that word, but sound bites. It's it's a very narrow bound, bandwidth in which all information it, that's like a mesh that all information is filtered through uh, to get to the public. And so, by the time it gets to the public, it's been very distilled. It's been yeah. very compressed, and a lot of the meat has and context has been taken out of it. And so, even for those who spend a lot of time watching new p- news programs and stuff, the information they get lacks such tremendous amount of depth.
0: Yeah, and, and 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 I'm glad you bring that up. I want to add on to that. the The mainstream media's job is to provoke an emotional reaction. Don't be fooled. Certainly, don't take my word for it. Go go look this up. This is this is out. It's out there. If you think that the media's job is to give you the facts, and I'm air quoting this, then you have a very big problem because that's not their job. Their job is, oh, their job is to is to, to give you the news. No, their, their job, it, it, theoretically, yes, it's to give you the news, but what's actually happening is that they're giving you their opinion on what's going on, which is immediately triggering us to think well these are the facts because I heard it from here or these influencers now now because the social media is so big well these influencers say that this this so it must be true i hear that stuff and i think are you that lazy that you can't go look stuff up now and here's the other thing is is how do you tell what you can find on uh, uh on the internet that that's factual about politics or or religion i have a book in front of me and, and none of you can see it but it, it's the tinsdale version of the life application study bible um and uh i bought this at a bookstore and for those of you that don't know what that is get the hell out of your house because my guess is that you probably have a, a public library in your town or in the town over or 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 you have a a books a million or a barnes and noble go into one of those stores i dare you and and get the hell off the internet and go read a beep book you know it this is and i can't read for the record like i've said this before i'm not joking i'm a horrible reader so i have if i am on my little you know computer that sits in in my in my pocket then what it is is it's my uh, Audible account, and I'm I'm listening to books. So so I encourage you guys to to do that. Now, now I'm going off on a tangent here, and you guys are you're getting me fired up, and I can't even hear you guys. So here's what's going to happen. Um, well, let me let me ask you, John, what, with politics, is it popular with politics to do the right thing? Or is it more popular to do what's best for the particular party in which you are working for?
1: Yeah, so certainly to answer your question directly, I don't think anybody would argue with it's about party right now. And it has absolutely no, almost no correlation with the right thing. I and that's so an doesn't, It doesn't
0: matter whether it's the right thing or not. So If I if, if it was like, hey, we need to pass this bill because this is the right thing to do. It's going to save lives, but it's going to cost us millions and millions of dollars to do it, and I'm not going to make a dime out of it, so I'm not going to pass it, even though it would be the right thing to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's where we're all at now. I'm not so sure we were ever that far from that. Honestly, I'm not so sure. that Like dating
0: this back to the founding fathers.
1: Yeah, I- I'm not so sure we were ever that far away. Now, the numbers were probably a lot, a lot smaller back then. But uh, I don't think we were ever that far away. Because uh, as we learned in one of our, we talked very briefly about it anyway, that partisan politics is is super old, you know, Um, the Federalists actually, actually uh, hijacked the idea of the Bill of Rights from the uh, anti-Federalists way back in the day in order to get credit for, you know, having done it. I mean, this is dirty tricks have been getting played for as, as long as, as, as possible. But I, I, the difference, I really do believe that at some point, and I'm not sure when, uh, and maybe we view looking back through history, maybe that filter or that looking glass that we're that lens, we're viewing it through filters out a lot of this stuff because it just doesn't show up in the, in the record very well, but it, it does seem like, you know, accelerating, you know, from about 1980s on, it just seems like politics has become a moneymaker. Yeah. A corporate game and very little connection to doing what is, what is right. Very very little connection to any sort of uh, truth. Um, it, it is absolutely a dirty, dirty business, but all the more reason for families to be having conversations. Uh, you know, when you talk to your neighbors, even if they're not particularly savvy, you know, on politics or whatnot. Nevertheless, most people in America have a pretty solid moral, found yeah. you know, a moral base. We are a pretty, a pretty darn moral, good kind generous people and you can have you can have conversations with you know bob next door just say hey bob man what do you think about i don't you know what do you think about the infrastructure bill have you heard anything about that it it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's super controversial and that's going to make you hate him i i had conversations when i was young about probably the most divisive uh subject out there, which was abortion. And I was asked point blank by a much older guy, you know, why do you think abortion's wrong? It was a very respectful conversation. And I backed him through my thought process as to why I was unable to support abortion. And uh, his only comment was, you know what, you were a very wise young man. Uh, And I learned a lot from just having that conversation. Uh, But you can have respectful conversations with one another. You can Tackle these issues, but the big point I was getting at is if we don't have these conversations, we become narrow minded, we get insulated, and we end up in this echo chamber of our own ideas, or at least very like ideas. And hell, as I is, you know, within our family, we could sit down at the dinner table, and there's going to be, you know, if we get everybody together, there's going to be seven different opinions sitting around the dinner table. Um, and they're going to be vastly different right. opinions uh, and having, being able to have a respectful, and I'm not even saying that we're the, we're at all the mo- the model family or something, but <laughs> there there's always different, you know, there's different opinions, uh, different points of view, different thoughts. And I guess all I ask is I, is I want people to understand why it is they believe they, what they believe and be able to defend it. And so I, Personally, I, I don't have a whole lot of tolerance intellectually. I mean, I wouldn't hate somebody because they can't do that. It's just that intellectually, I don't have a whole lot of tolerance for, for someone doing the equivalent of uh, stomping off and slamming their door Right. as I go back into their room. Uh, we need to be able to stand there. Uh, we need to be able to stand our ground. And this is really important. I, we need to be able to stand our ground and defend ourselves. And it's not really any different when you're talking about ideas and ideology in terms of importance than it is physically. You have to be able to stand, you need to be dangerous enough to be able to stand your ground. You have to be mentally strong enough to be able to stand your ground and defend yourself. Um, If we roll over. So I'm going to throw something out at you. All right, throw it. But if if you roll over for the little things if you roll over for uh the school boards you know jackassery of some sort critical race theory or whatever if you roll over for you know i don't know uh, maybe a mask mandate or something in your town that you don't agree with and you think that's an invasion of your rights to live your life the way you want then stand up and articulate stand up to yourself Go to the town council meeting, stand up literally at the microphone and make an argument against whatever policy it is. But if we roll over in those little things, and I am not kidding, that's how you end up as a concentration camp guard in Nazi Germany. I'm not kidding. And I know that's a strong statement and, and maybe slightly hyperbolic, but- what happened in Nazi Germany was the population, and if, if if anybody thinks that the German people are somehow were were at the time somehow fundamentally worse than Americans or British or anybody else, you're wrong. Because it could have happened in America, could have happened in Britain, could have happened in Norway. It could, well, it kind of did happen in Norway. But it's we're we're very, very similar. But people were rolling over a little bit at a time in the small things, and the next thing you knew, or the next thing you they knew, they, had they were con- they were literally concentration camp guards, because they had made small compromises along the way. Now it doesn't mean that you can't all, can't always compromise, but this gets back to the our idea that we explored in an earlier podcast of absolute truth that is drawn from some idea of god in our case we're talking about judeo-christian god where that's that's where you and i draw our our truth from it's where my you know wife and i draw our truth but then acting on that with courage in the world and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you become this iron rod that just you know attacks anything that doesn't agree with your concept of the truth but that you have to stand up and defend your ideas. You have to stand up to defend yourself because if you don't, if you roll over in these little things, you become the monster.
0: Wow. That's
1: (laughs) yeah, I know. I kind of, I, Kind of took it from something small and innocuous to something really big, but I believe that I but, think that is the, but there's fact.
0: so, yeah. well, no, I mean, there's a lot of truth behind that. I mean, it's, it's, how do you, how do you get there? I I think I want to, what I want to add to what you just said, John, and thank you for saying that is, is that you, you kind of give, give, give before you don't have anything to give. And next thing you know, it, you're forced.
1: Well, and the, along the way, yeah, the individual, wasn't able to state why, what, why they objected to.
0: Well, so I was, and this is where I wanted to, so you can't object to it because there's, there's a part of that that we haven't mentioned yet. And there's a fear factor in there. I think the fear side of it is where, what's the easiest way to control a mass group? You instill fear. Tell me how this is in what we're talking about. Challenge us, please. I welcome it. Tell me we're wrong. Tell me the reason Hello? why we're not talking about politics and stuff like that has, you cannot convince me. You can try to, but you can, I don't think you're going to be able to convince me that the reason why I don't talk, we don't talk about politics right now is because we don't want, the politicians don't want us talking about it because they
1: want to have that control. Yeah, it makes it much easier when people don't know what it is, when they haven't wrestled with the ideas and we essentially outsource the wrestling of, of difficult ideas and problems to some elite who we somehow have decided is much smarter than us, which they're not. Um, When we do that, we, we abdicate our responsibility and we, and we lose control of our own fate. Right. Uh, When we do that, we need to be more engaged not less. That's one of the reasons that the founders, um, not all of them, but most, most of the founders would have, would have agreed that local politics, local conversations was the most powerful and the most important. And they wanted the power close to home. They didn't want it in far away, you know, Washington DC in some, you know, marble hall, they, they wanted it in the church meeting house so you, right down the road
0: you're talking about power and what the founding fathers wanted and i can't help but to think it triggered something with me with this conversation of politics and religion where does that power come from if we'll use today that approximately 51% i believe we had said in a previous show of the population work for the government or governments meaning the federal government or the government within the states so how how where does it, that that where does the power come from because now you got two separate power you look at the state as as a power as one and then you have the federal and this is still all within the politics side of things and then you have the rest of the people and we're supposed to listen to everybody else within those organizations. Is, is that, yeah, is I that my understanding? Or I mean, well, By all means, correct that, me if I'm wrong.
1: That's pretty well it. And, and I think what we had said, if I remember correctly, was that uh, roughly 50% of the U.S. economy, or I'm sorry, GDP, is accounted for by government activities at the state and, and national level. Yeah. And then about 20 million uh, people actually work in state and, state and federal government which is such a large with so much power and so many individuals it becomes able to affect election outcomes and think when, when acting in their own interest
0: let me ask some political question john should there be I don't said time trials that's because Olympics. on that's not what I want to say. Should there be uh, term limits? That's what, that's what I was trying to say. Should there yeah, be so term? Should there be term limits?
1: I, I here's what I used to say. First, I used to say, yeah, they, we've got term limits right now. They're called elections. So that was my initial. That was my right stance. But, but for years,
0: we have proven over the throughout the years that that you cannot have an election that can, or you can't use computers for the, for an election that can be easily hackable. And we, and we've shown that. And and again, well, I'm not stating a fact. This is stuff that you can find on the internet people, but if you don't think that the elect, this past election wasn't hacked and there's been other elections that were hacked, quite frankly, this just happens to be one that they're highlighting the most. Um, that I mean, you, you, you can't have it. So it's like, I, I see what you're saying with, yes, there's term limits, but I don't, I also am a firm believer that there's there should never be a career politician.
1: 100%. And so that's what I used to say. Then I, then I learned a little bit about a year or so ago, which I'm, I couldn't really spout a lot of this out anymore, but I, I learned a, a lot, a decent amount about how much advantage an incumbent has over a challenger Uh, and it was staggering the advantage in terms of monetarily they have a huge advantage exposure wise they have a humongous advantage right if you're already in front of the cameras you know with dc every night and if you want to get some more exposure real easy to make a controversial statement and, and get in front of the cameras some more if you're running for office so i am now of the opinion that we absolutely are gonna to have to do term limits. Um, I don't know if it'll ever happen. It's kind of one of those things like the uh, administrative state where we know that we need to tamp it down. We know that we need to take some of the power away, uh, but we haven't quite figured out how to do that. Now, we made, I, I, last week, I guess it was, we made some pretty good suggestions, I thought, as to some strategies yeah. we might be able to do that. But uh, bottom line is we haven't figured it out. Term limits would be a pretty simple piece of legislation to pass to uh, to limit the uh, my God, Joe Joe Biden spent has already spent about 50 years in uh, D.C. He's he's never really done anything with his life other than be a politician. It's sickening. Um, And then there's many, many others. He's not the only one. Uh, In fact, for most of his career, Joe was probably one of the better ones. He was actually a pretty honest broker for the most part was the reports I, the reports I had received was that as a Senator, the guy was actually,
0: that's all the time I, we have folks. but, no, <laughs> but I, I'm
1: painting the, I'm painting the picture that, that the old reports used to be, yeah, you know, Joe Biden's a, he's a, he's an honest broker. He's a guy that you can deal with right across the aisle and stuff. Very reasonable guy. Right. And uh, of course became very polarized around the time he became a vice president, but uh, where was I going with that? Anyway. Yeah. I 100% believe there should never be a career politician. Now somebody's going to say, Oh, but we want somebody with experience in there. No, you don't.
0: I, no, I agree but with you. Don't. You
1: don't. And, and, and the reason you don't is it becomes a big game. And I think I talked a little bit about just my experience in the Pentagon, working with the budget, working with programs and stuff. Yeah, you want people who are experienced and know how to play that game and get the money and stuff, but they can also they can also work it. They can work it to their advantage a little bit, and uh, it becomes the military-industrial com- complex. You know, wagging the wagging the dog. Um, but the same thing that happens in in Congress. You know, they, they get. They get really entrenched with with certain companies. They get really entrenched with certain constituent, not constituencies, but uh, certain uh, special interests. Uh,
0: yeah, well, I guess that is I guess that
1: is a, yeah, that, that yeah. is a constituency. Yeah. But you know, certain they and they end up caucusing with with certain people, and and their personal beliefs get really distilled. Uh, not no, that's the wrong word. Diluted, not Deluded. distilled. Their personal beliefs. And the things that they brought, that they promised, and that the the principles that they said they stood for when they first got there, they get really diluted through these mechanisms. And uh, I I am of one hundred percent agreement that now we need term limits. And this is a great example of a, of an awesome. Uh, that's an that would be such a great conversation to have at the dinner table with your kids. Right, right, no, right
0: Because it, and the, you you can also tie into that is like making decisions that are necessary uh, are. Um, having to make a decision, the the right decision, or making a decision that's going to benefit you, right? Yeah. And and that's a great conversation to have with your kids. Are you always going to do what's right, or are you going to make a decision based on what, how it benefits you? And, and with that being said, John, if I, if I may, I since we're talking about politics and religion, and we'll start jumping in the religion side of things here in just a moment. I I want to share something. I did some research in the Bible, like kind of thought, what would be, you know, what does the Bible say? Does it say anything about politics? And it actually does. And there was a couple of passages that I found interesting. So if I could share them here for just a moment and kind of explain, elaborate on them uh, a a little bit here. But the first one is um, Matthew 27, uh, 19, and it reads, While he was sitting on, on the judge's bench, his wife sent him uh, sent word to him, have quote, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for today I've suffered terribly in a dream because of him, end quote. What does that mean? Let me explain. That particular passage, for a leader who was supposed to administer justice, Pilate proved uh, to be more concerned about his Political stance than about doing what was right. He had several opportunities to make the right decision. His conscience told him Jesus was innocent. Roman law said an innocent man should not be put to death. And his wife. Had a nightmare that caused her to encourage her husband to let Jesus go. Now, for those of you that non-believers or whatnot, this is when uh, Jesus was in front of the the uh, Roman uh, Pontius Pilate and, and he was getting sentenced because the Jews did not agree with with, with Jesus being a savior. Um, so Pilate had no good excuse to condemn Jesus, but he was afraid of the crowd. So that's a that's a. We're talking thousands of years ago of a decision where politics came into, uh, came into play on a man's life where the guy who was in charge knew the man was innocent but sent him to the, the wolves anyway because of a political stance, Right?
1: Yeah, he was uh, he was afraid of a he was afraid of an uprising.
0: Right, that's exactly it. Uh, the next one I want to read is is John eighteen thirty, uh, and that says uh, they answered him, "If this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you." And what does that mean? It kind of plays into what my last one was with Matthew, but this one states Pilate knew what was going on. He knew that the religious leaders hated Jesus, and he did not want uh, to act as their executioner. They could not sentence him to death themselves. Permission had to come from uh, a Roman leader. But Pilate initially uh, refused to sentence Jesus without significant evidence. Jesus' life became a pawn in a political power struggle.
1: Yeah. So, of course, Rome had taken over Palestine at the time, or uh, that area, Israel. I'm not even sure what they called themselves at the time. Anyway. Uh, Israelites. Yeah. They, uh, the Romans ruled over the Israelites. And so one of the things that was a hallmark of, of Rome is they would allow local cultures and local um, politics to remain in power as long as they could pretend like they were in charge, as long as they didn't try to really, really be in charge, the Romans were over it. So they even had King Herod. I know it's probably a little confusing to a lot of people, but you know, they even had King Herod who was, who was a Roman puppet, who was over the Jews, right? He was King of the Jews. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Pontius Pilate was the uh, gosh, what do they call it? It's like a governor. That's not the right word, though. At any rate, he was he was in charge of that region and he did not want. um, He absolutely did not want an uprising on his hands. Imagine being a Roman. It's kind of like being. uh, Well, it's kind of like being a United States soldier in Afghanistan. You know, you don't want all the people to rise up and and come get you because there you don't have enough firepower or uh uh you know muscle power i guess back in those days uh to to fight that off you've got to manage the situation and yeah it's interesting that they they said he became a pawn in a political game because we usually those of us who are christians and who have read about this since we were you know oftentimes little kids that story you don't ever get that piece what we what we what we hear about and learn about is the spiritual side. How you know Jesus was was uh, he was tortured and 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 executed as a martyr to save you know to save to be the sacrifice um, to atone for the sins of all of mankind, right? And we kind of only hear that piece. You don't hear the like historical piece. It sounds like they drew on a lot of Roman. And, and contemporary uh secular uh and and hist- and, and, history. and the politics
0: yes. and i i really those resonated with me because if you've done any type of of study of the the roman catholic church or or the just christianity as a whole doesn't matter what religion i I, I look at religion like this you have organized you whether it's organized religion if you believe in god and then you have all these different you know baptist lutheran catholic etc etc same company just different departments right that was the best (laughs) that's how i look at it and and regardless of which department you are in was based off of your belief system but if you look back in that that time frame where the roman catholic church was kind of the at the time was the uh there was a lot a lot of politics that were in play and you see it in old movies uh, portrayed by the roman catholic church it this is going to sound funny it's not my intent but like even robin hood was 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 a prime example of how the roman catholic church used politics to pursue certain things to get money to the church and 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 whatnot um oh absolutely yeah, i tell you the, what the da vinci code was you know the it was another series movies, yeah. to,
1: is that it is a fascinating history if, if you learn to learn about it it is absolutely
0: oh, i would i would love to be a fly on the wall in the archives in the vatican city oh
1: it, it's just it's for fascinating. a day for a day how how they, and I just mean they, whoever was in power you know, over the ages, whoever was making decisions and, and making power plays, how they were able to uh, combine religion with politics. So, no king, kings were essentially subject to the Pope. Mm-hmm. And they would have a, a, a bishop uh, or a cardinal or whatever they would have a high ranking uh church official in their court this is before the protestant reformation um and they didn't make a lot of decisions without consulting right and uh so the amount of power that the church had if you'll remember uh one of the reasons that king henry the oh my gosh the eighth no wait no not the fifth yeah henry the eighth um uh elizabeth's queen elizabeth's mother uh, father the one who had all his wives killed uh one of the reasons he started the, the church of england was to get out from under the political pressure of the roman catholic church so he wanted to divorce his wife for whatever reason of course he had like five of them or something and he wanted to, to, to divorce her and the Catholic church wouldn't let him. And he's like, I'm going to start my own church. You know, you guys are out of here. And it was a big upheaval, almost like a Brexit kind of a thing uh, going on. Right. Yeah. But uh, he started his own church, divorced his wife. And then I had a couple of them beheaded or something. I, it, it was a crazy time, but the amount of political, it's interesting that you brought that up because I hadn't even thought about it when I was preparing him some notes, preparing some notes for the show about how ancient the, the, intertwining of politics and religion is and the right? power the oh power, my God
0: the power behind it. so in, in, here's why I think this is important is we're talking politics and religion and and this goes back to what I said earlier in the show John is that they don't they as in the higher ups that are that are in charge of, of the country countries, uh, they don't want us talking about they don't want the everyday person talking about politics and religion because we might start thinking critically we might start seeing the bigger picture we might start seeing things that don't make sense we might start see we might start putting the puzzle pieces together and then we realized hey wait a minute you guys are telling us one thing but so it's a, it's a do as I say, not as I do. Is, is that yeah,
1: what, so- is that what, how this boils, what boils down to? So look at, think about this. All right. Just let let's, and it'll take some emotion and whatnot out of it if you look at it in history. So take a look at what, um, what happened to people like Galileo. Take a look at what what the reaction was when things like the Gutenberg Press was made. Gutenberg Press was one of the largest uh, leaps forward in technology in the world. Guess who wasn't really that keen on it? The church. church. <laughs> the church has a great political power, right? right? Why would that be? Because they didn't want the Bible written in the people's common language, because then they lost the monopoly on interpretation, interpretation on dogma. It became much more difficult to convince people that they needed to pay something like indulgences in order to get their uh, family member out of uh, purgatory. It became much more difficult when people could read for their own, for themselves, you know, what was, Said in the Bible, so the Bible, uh, the the church was not w- was not real keen on it. When I believe it was Galileo who discovered that the planets rotate around the sun, and when that and that was a worldview changing thing, mm. and he was declared a heretic because the church was losing power to his scientific discovery. So it's very simple. It's very similar to our political game today that the political elite is very much like the church was, you know, early, you know, I'll, I'll say up till about 15, 1600 BC, I guess you could kind of say the, I'm sorry, AD. Uh, I guess you could say until the enlightenment kind of kicked off or at least the reformation. I'm not the reformation. Uh, the, uh, Oh, Florence, Italy. <laughs> the, ah, the, uh, when Michelangelo and and everybody was starting to do art and all kinds of stuff, I Oh, Renaissance. The Renaissance. I completely brain farted <laughs> that word, but it's very similar. It's our political elite or in a very political, a very similar position to what the church was right. prior to the reformation prior to when uh, the uh, Renaissance kicked off. And we really started having this, this great, just almost like a huge springtime and growing season of ideas. Um, our political elite is in a similar situation, and they want to make sure that that the population gets the information that they want, hopefully through CNN or MSNBC or or you know a, a, a Facebook article, you know some, something that's been washed and filtered so that we're getting the information they want us to have. One of the biggest problems for our political elite and for our media now is the rise of podcasts and YouTube channels. And so you, you can follow that and you can see that, well, now YouTube is now getting politicized, having a lot of a lot of uh, pressure, political pressure brought on them to begin censoring. Facebook, same thing. Twitter, same thing. We all know this story, how it's played out. But you can't stop it because it's so relatively easy to pop up another platform that's getting information out. Like this podcast where we're just having an honest conversation. I'm sure that for some reason they could ban us on uh, Facebook or something. But you know this is going out on the hmg website this is going out via you know several other uh, mechanisms to be distributed to um to people and and i know that we are very very sincere trying to do the best we can to get honest unadulterated um truth out there and to encourage people in a positive positive way to take positive brave courageous action in the world Uh, based in truth so that's what that's what we're doing at any rate that was a really long answer to a question (laughs) wow
0: (laughs) it it it's what no it was a great answer i politics and religion is something that we all need to sit down and not be afraid to have a conversation with we need to get with our families during the dinner table and if you if you think if you think it's rude to have this conversation at dinner, make time it, it, at a minimum make make time for family time to sit around the coffee table or or you know at the on the couch and, and just have some turn the TV off for for an hour and just have these conversations, you know it, it's it's we. We're not going to move forward in the right direction if we don't start having these conversations. We learn from having these conversations, and they are difficult to have. You're going, to, you're not going to agree with everybody. You're going to look at your loved ones, and you're going to raise an eyebrow like, I can't believe I'm related to that moron. It happens to me a lot, but... You have these conversations, and you learn so much from it. I promise you guys, if you guys just open up. And, and and here's the thing. Well, I don't know much about religion. Well, listen, I got something for you. I said earlier, there's these places called bookstores. They used to be really popular back in the day. And for those of you that are lazy asses, and you can't get off your ass, or off the couch and out the door because you're afraid of pick something that's in the air right now i don't whatever uh then you all have these computers that fit in your pockets that cost so much money and that quite frankly are are ridiculous but that's beside the point uh there's what they call apps okay and there's an audible app and they have apps for the bible find one that works for you and if you're not familiar with the bible uh, I, I would recommend doing a, a life application study, Bob, because you can read a passage and then it tells you what that passage w- was, was, was meant. And then it kind of, re- and believe me, this is the, this is the number one selling book of all of human history, and it still sells more books than any other book
1: to date. That you know, it's be- interesting you say that, um, uh- but This is not, you know, this was not conceived to be any sort of a, any sort of a, certainly not a Bible sales. Yeah. And I'm, not, not, I'm,
0: not, yeah I'm not, I'm not, I'm know, not going and, door to door selling Bibles right. or encyclopedias. And you know? it
1: wasn't conceived to be a, it wasn't conceived to be anything that, uh, necessarily was focused on, um, Christianity or religion of any kind, but, uh, it is, I think we keep coming back to it because it's so central to the founding of our country yes. and it's so central to our society. You know, it's kind of hard to get away from it. Right. And I, I do not you made a really good point though. You know, you, you there would be an objection. Someone would say, well, I really don't know that much about religion of any kind, you know, probably not even their own. Um, uh, and everybody's got a religion maybe we can have a whole conversation yeah. about that. Cause yeah. I've said it before, what well, some of the most religious people I've ever met were atheists, but uh <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it, I, I just um, it's hard to get away from because it is so it runs through everything we do because it's where we draw our truth and our belief system and our sense of morality from. And so, you know, we're, it, it's, it's hard to get away from. So we might as well get comfortable uh, talking about it and it doesn't, you know, yeah, it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but we've got to learn how to think critically. We've got to learn how to have difficult conversations and debate without hating each other. We've got to learn how to not stomp away. Uh, you know, like, you know, like, like a teenage daughter and (laughs) slam the door and, you know, throw yourself on the bed and bury your head in your pillow and cry because you're upset. Um, You have to stand, you have to learn what you, why it is you believe what you believe, stand your ground, defend yourself. And sometimes you're going to find out that you're wrong and that you should be so thankful. You should be so thankful for those moments when, when you find out and, and you, and you measure it against truth and you wrestle with it and you find out that your previous belief was wrong. And, and, you know, I don't claim to be a biblical scholar at all. I have friends, many actual friends, who are biblical scholars, and they would bury me. And, you know, in a heartbeat in one of these discussions, I just, I, I, often uh, consult with them, actually. Uh, actually, before we were talking about our concept of absolute truth, I consulted with a good friend of mine, Charlie Colbert, who's an Anglican pastor down in uh, uh, South Carolina uh a a brilliant man who uh went to college with and i've known him for wow since 1985 or something i've known this guy he's a biblical scholar uh has written books i am not (laughs) you know i'm we're just we're just trying to uh
0: well, we're we're pointing out where our it's it goes back to the the basics, right? The founding principles, which was our first episode in this series of let's have a conversation.
1: You don't have to be a scholar to have a conversation. Exactly. Right. Perfect. Exactly. Well said. That's what I was trying to get to, and I got I couldn't. No, <laughs> I that's couldn't that's there.
0: and 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 here's the other thing. I will I will say this, and then and then we'll wrap this up. I will I will say, um, read. Don't believe everything you read. Think critically and ask questions. That's that's really it. That's, you know, don't be afraid to have conversations or ask questions about politics or about religion. Period. With that being said, John, I appreciate you being on here each and every week as we as we discuss these hard topics but it's not the only thing that you do is talk you you also why don't you tell a little bit uh, uh the listeners a little bit more about yourself you you have a hey, you well, have a company i want to let's let's let's, we, let's pitch that
1: we absolutely do have a company station you know, i started a company a couple of years ago named semper savage it is a marinated salad dressing uh company marinade and dressing company because the dressings can be used for just about anything mm. they rock we got four varieties it's the best stuff on the planet we put it on everything and uh, we have got four varieties we've got savage balsamic savage caesar savage cider apple cider vinaigrette and savage centurion which is a red wine vinaigrette go to super and get you some
0: they they truly are the best uh marinades and salad dressings i've my taste buds have ever had that's all we have in our house right now so it's go check them out simpersavage.com uh also got to give a shout out to our parent company heroes media group go over there check out all the shows if you want to be a contributor or start a podcast or write a book or an audiobook or whatnot if there's anything that heroes media group can help you out with simply go to www.heroesmediagroup.com until next time you've been listening to the decision hour